everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in today to Comedians Exposed, the podcast where comedians talk about uh, vulnerability. I'm your host, I'm Deanna Kobe, and today we have the co-founder of Jester Comedic Events. He just recorded his hour-long comedy album. Please welcome the hilarious Franco Danger to Comedians Exposed. Hey, Franco. Hello. I'm here and I'm ready to get exposed. <laughs> yes. Okay. I'm so ready to expose you. This is super excited. <laughs> we were just going to dive right in today. First and foremost, though, I always oh, yeah. got to make sure, tell everybody where they can find you on social media, Franco. So on Instagram, I am Franco with a C underscore danger. Um, from that Instagram, I keep it simple. I have uh, a link to all my other stuff. Um, my Twitch, YouTube, everything. So Franco underscore danger on Instagram. You can find me on there. Okay, awesome. Well, everybody definitely needs to check you out, especially too. He's in the process of getting ready to release his album. And we are all so excited. We're going to talk about, because you just recorded that, right? In New Hope? Yeah, I just recorded the album. Um, I think I did like 45, 45 minutes. Yeah, I did it at, um, at John and Peter's in New Hope, PA. That was a dream come true. Yeah. That was just, it was so dope. We did two shows, packed out the first one, the second one, pretty good crowd. Um, I got everything I needed in the first one. It was just perfect. I flubbed up a couple things. We re-recorded it in the second show. And then that second show... I was just so loose and like ready to go that I was just riffing and I was like, oh shit. So that now I have bonus tracks to go on to like the original stuff. So just a bunch of cool stuff. It's going to be like a lot of editing and putting together a lot of cool things from like back in the day, from like the first time I did certain sets. Yeah. Um, and then you'll be able to see kind of the, the growth of those jokes. The evolution yeah. of the comedy. Yeah. And how yeah. long it fucking takes sometimes to work out and fit. So yeah that's yeah. dope like that you're going to do that especially too because i've been like thinking about that like with comedy um how challenging in today's climate it is to tackle certain topics and how mm -hmm. long it takes for a joke to evolve where it's you know palatable yeah. so that's i think really cool that you're going to do that um so i know too we were just talking about you haven't decided what the name of your album is going to be right no, no. Are you, you have any ideas like thinking about what you might use? So a friend of mine just recently said my album should be called White Slaves. And I think <laughs> that was you right before we recorded. You were like your comedy album, White Slaves. And I'm like, yo, that's that's a scary title, but it might get some clicks. So I'm, that's up there. I had um, I had three i had two things and then white slaves just made it to the top three um <laughs> the first one was franco fun time i was like that would be dope but i was like you know what that might be a podcast name and then the second one was too many spicy because it's like a little moment oh. in the show where i say it's too many spicy i um, love that bit so much <laughs> yeah thank you um and then white slaves might i don't know it I looked at Franco's IG. Everybody definitely check out Franco's Instagram. So um, he has a clip on there and I was reading like that, what he wrote. And that's why I was like, oh, white slaves. I'm like, shit, that's the, that's fucking hilarious. But I was like, you know, so I got that. I thought that was, again, the title of your album from that clip um, specifically. Yeah. 
So that's where, again, I thought that it came from. But I want to talk about, again, because you did post that on IG and it living in today's provocative climate, mm. you know, and even thinking about potentially re- releasing that as your album, does your butthole clench up a little bit, you know, from thinking about that? Yeah, yeah, Why? yeah, yeah. Just thinking, like, cause, just because you don't want to come, like, come out the gate just way too hot. You know, you don't want to like just be like, oh, here comes another edge lord. Here comes another like super edgy just for the sake of being edgy comic. And I'm not that comic. Um, and I feel like it might turn some people away, but it might bring some people in. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. But also, it's just that's how the internet works now. It's like you need some kind of clickbait and some kind of dramatic title for them to click on something. Because I posted this one video. It was uh, on YouTube. Went a little viral on YouTube, went viral on TikTok, and it was titled uh, Latino Comedian, in all caps, Latino Comedian, um, at an all-white uh, Trump crowd. Oh, it does Trump jokes in an all-white Trump crowd. And then, like, under it, I wrote, and nothing happened because it was a comedy show. Which is, because it's, I was making a joke that it was clickbaity, but because of that title, people were just clicking, and then some people were like, there's no Trump jokes in here or like, yeah, try to do this in a liberal crowd. And then like that started the arguments, but then that got me like hotter in the algorithm. And then more people started watching it and then supportive people started showing up and people like, I love Trump, but I also love you, dude. Keep it funny. Like you're fucking great. Da, da, da. Yeah. So it's like, uh, if the internet totally, rewards. You have a wide net. The internet lets you cast a super, super wide net. So the yeah. more, um, because I feel like there's certain words that are very triggering for people. Mm-hmm. And when if you can trigger someone that's emotional and emotion gets often elicits response. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just, it's just human nature where something fucked up gets more clicks than something funny or kind, you know? Yeah. And that's just, that's just how it is. I mean, and the evidence is very clear, but that's also too, I think, I think it's just a much more clear example, because like, if you think about, for example, in the English language, two thirds of the word in the English language are negative. And then you think about a lot of individuals, how, how many negative thoughts people have per day, right? Mm -hmm. So I think a large part of negativity is like basic human instinct of survival, the brain warning Mm -hmm. us of like potential dangers. So mm-hmm. now we have it exemplified in the internet, which is a very tangible way of, you know, kind of utilizing negativity to, again, cast that wider net. But it also creates discussion, too. And I love how you brought up, too, that there was comedians or people who commented saying, I love you and I love Trump. Yeah. You know, and it was yeah. like, you know, what you're doing. Because, again, don't you you talk about white slaves? Like, don't you have... Um, you know, that is a, one of your bits. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if you break your bit down and anyone who's seen Franco, like you said, you're not an edgelord. You are very likable on stage. You're like, you. you come across as like, hey, this is a guy who's my buddy who's hilarious, you know? Um, so it's like when you break someone's joke down to two simplistic words, you know, you're getting that triggered response. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if, 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 yeah, if you were to just walk into a room, just open the door and you're just like, white slaves, people would have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. And they'd be very worried. But if you open the door and then you did the joke, it's very, very different. Where you're like, okay, there's no real malice here. Like, there's no, this is obviously this guy's being silly. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. But those, yeah, trigger words are fucking trigger words for a reason. Yeah, but it makes it very hard, I feel like, sometimes to do comedy, especially depending upon, like, who you are, what you want to talk about. Like, again, what your persona is. Um, so thinking about like, again, in today's climate, people are super easily triggered. The internet, again, is a very tangible place to see that. So um, yourself, how do you think it affects you and your willingness to do comedy? The the sensitivity of, of it all? Um, mm-hmm. uh, I will say I'm worried. There's, there's some some shows where I stray away from <clears throat> certain jokes. Um, I do have dirtier material. Um, I have about like six minutes of it, of like really dirty material. It's just all pussy jokes. And I'm like, oh, I might not do this here because this feels like it's, you know, not the crowd for it. But I also have certain bits. The White Slaves bit, I do almost all the time. But there's this one joke that um, I mentioned, I know this trans person. And the joke goes to talk about the trans person. And the whole point of it is for me to build the tension up as if I'm going to say something not good about this trans person. And then I flip it on them. But then a lot of the times it does great. But sometimes I'm like, you know what? I don't even want to bother this crowd with that. I feel like they might not come back. Like he was going to say something mean. Like I, I, And it's weird for me to, I shouldn't judge the crowd because it's made up of a lot of different people. But for some reason, you just feel like you have to put a personality on a crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just sometimes I'm like, I'd rather not do that because I don't want to trigger them too hard because this feels like they're sensitive. It feels like they're sensitive and they get triggered too hard. Mm-hmm. They might go, you know, no, we're not going to fuck with you just because you mentioned a trans person. But it's like they're not even the butt of the joke. You know, they're just along with this situation with me or whatever so it's it's i don't know it's sometimes i stray away from certain jokes like that one and then sometimes i'm like hmm i'll write something down and i go let me think of another way to say this one thing before i say it on stage and i shouldn't you know i should just be able to be like hey let me try it out on stage and and see where it goes that way you know Mm -hmm. but sometimes i'm like "Uh, i don't know if this is safe because everyone's got their knives out, you know, everyone's like ready to, to say some wild shit. But at the same time, I think I'm at a, I'm at a point where no one really knows me. So I can, I have the, the privilege to go out there, say something, it fails. And then no one, okay, no one follows me on Instagram. And then, and then I go home and then I forget about the show and then everything's okay. You know, I still have a day job, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm not at a point where I'm so big where it's like, this is the only job I'll have this just yeah. stand up. And then people go, no, we're not going to fuck with it no more. I'm not even thinking of wild shit like that <laughs> either, but it's just, you know, sometimes you just throw shit out there and it might come out wrong. Yeah. I, well, I definitely know that. Cause I like personally to do the wild shit. I like to do things that are, you know, very uncomfortable. I feel like just for me, that's very personal though. Like as a woman living my life, Mm-hmm. It's really, especially two people think of me and they're like, oh, you're nice. You're like a librarian. Look at her. You know, and it's like, no, go fuck yourself. Uh, this is what I'm going to say. But how much of comedy for you is yours or versus the audience? 
because to me, what you were just talking about, it seems like you're very, very considerate of what the audience um, wants. So like how much of yourself is comedy? Like you're like, I don't, I'm here for me and I like this material and I know you're not going to like it, but do you ever be like, fuck it, I'm going to do it anyway? Or are you definitely more agreeable to kind of assimilate with the vibe of the audience? So this is funny. Um so my friend Khalif, Ibrahim Khalif, very funny comic, would talk all the time, right? He's very much like, fuck that, every joke is mine. I'm very much like, I don't know if I should say this in front of these people. Mm -hmm. So I'd say like it's a it's a solid maybe 60-40 where mm -hmm. it's me and then them. And then he's been trying to shake me out of it because there have been moments where like I'd go on stage and I wouldn't do like the dirty chunk right that dirty chunk of material i get off he's like why the fuck didn't you do that joke why didn't you do the pussy joke and i'm like i don't know i just feel like they wouldn't fuck with it and then the next comment goes up as soon as they start talking about pussy everyone's like yeah and they start cracking up and he's like you see that's that's that was yours that was all yours they wanted to hear that um so i've been every once in a while i'll be like i know i feel like they might not vibe with it but i'm gonna go for it and then go all in because yeah. if you go half-assed they're gonna feel like you're awkward about it they're gonna feel awkward about it and then it's not going to work. Mm -hmm. But it used to be 50-50. But thankfully, I, everything I write is for me. Yeah. But then eventually, you know, like just the it's natural in the process that you go, okay, that didn't get laughs. Why? Mm -hmm. Take this out. Take this out. Let's tighten this up. Da, 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 da. Mm -hmm. But I'm very much like, you know, I'm kind of, I hope they like me. I hope this is okay. Mm -hmm. But it's it's a battle. Where it's yeah. like, sometimes uh, I don't want to feel like that. Sometimes I just want to be like, fuck that. This is who I am. Boom. And then I know it's going to go well. Or I feel like it's going to go well. And then a lot of times, it just depends on the day, honestly. So what about in life? Do you feel as personally, right? Just as Franco every day, not with a microphone in his hand. Do you overall choose, like, do you feel like you need to be liked by people? Like, if, you know, your workplace and stuff, like, are you of that? Like, I want people to like me. Yeah. And yeah. so, yeah. And so at work, I usually don't talk. <laughs> I'm very quiet and I'm very, like, respectful and very, I'm, I'm very much, like, don't take up too much space. Okay. In your life. Very wow. much. And is that how, that's how you, was that how you were before comedy? Yeah, I was really bad, like anxiety, social anxiety wise, I was very bad. It wasn't until stand up comedy where like it helped me go, okay, you know, you put your weirdest thoughts on stage and people like that. So maybe if you just say regular things, people might like that too. So it got me to open up a little bit more in like life. Comics, though, it was different with comics because it was just like, for some reason I've, and you know, you've never bonded with a group of people so quick. For some reason, it just it just comes natural yeah. you know everybody's kind of have it's not even that everyone has the same sense of humor it's just something that connects you know but if you put me into a room full of like i don't know um people who like like people who like to do sculpture i couldn't i, I don't know if i could vibe as quick you know or just yeah, no i get exactly what you say because it's like i think it's like there's something internal because it's you know, it's like there's that drive, that desire to want to do it. And that's, again, the connection of people, especially in my opinion with comedy, like there's a level of insanity to this, 
You know, like, it's like, I'm going to stand in front of you by myself and say these things and hope that you laugh. Like, it's just like, I don't know. I find it a little bit psychotic. And you think about like in medieval times, like the court jester could end up dead, you know? So yeah, you were, you really were a fucking psychopath. So Mm -hmm. I think, I think that helps connect us. (laughs) And so what about them with comedy too? What drew you to comedy? Um, so I was very funny in my group of friends. Then that group of friends kind of grew and grew a little bit more. I was a huge fan of Whose Line Is It Anyway? I love that show. Mm-hmm. And I was like, if I could ever do that, I'd fucking be so happy. But I had no idea you can just do that. I was like, those people are just like, those are actors who are really good at that one thing. And that's just what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, And... I love that stuff. And then I just like being funny at parties. And I, I was a big storyteller. Like I love telling stories and just breaking everything down. And one day my friend was like at a party, he was like, yo, you should do comedy. And I'm like, I've heard that a hundred times. That would be cool. He was like, you know, you can just go to stress factory at the open mic. And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, you can just do an open mic. And that's how you start comedy. I'm like, that's not how you start. He's like, they're all, I'm like, they're all actors who are funny. He's like, no, he's like, you start as a stand like you can just do it and i was like get the fuck out of here so i went to watch one and i was like oh shit because you know if you've never seen an open mic you've never watched an open mic you think everyone who does comedy is a pro right but you go to an open mic and then you're like oh no there's a this is where people start and this yeah, is like what it looks like to start process yeah so I was too afraid to do stand-up, so I did improv for a year because then I found out how you can do improv, and I was like, fucking awesome. Loved it. And then I went back to to watch open mics, and then I think after, like, the fourth week, I'm watching sets, but now I'm, I'm like, organizing other people's materials in my head. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I know exactly what you were going for. I know what you were going for there. But if you switch this word and that word over here, you would probably would have hit that. And then if you would have done this, oh, I wanted to hear more from this bit. You had so much more in there, but you never said it. So I'm like editing people's material in my head. And then I was like, what am I doing? I'm like, let me just start. Let mm-hmm. me just let me just go for it. Yeah. And then I did. Yeah. Yeah. So what about I want to talk about too, like this idea of vulnerability, because I do believe like with comedy, like doing comedy, there's so much to get out of it. You know, Mm -hmm. it's the joy of, again, getting the joke to work, um, the connection with the audience. But, you know, like we were talking about, there's a lot of, you know, kind of just uncomfortableness that lies ahead with particularly like the fact you're dealing with emotion, you're dealing with things that might be emotional to others. Mm-hmm. So first, I want to know, like, to be vulnerable, Franco, what does that mean for you? To be vulnerable? You mean on stage or? Any way you want to define it. Um, Secrets. <laughs> Just, I don't know, telling secrets, Um, being completely honest. And there's, I don't know, I feel like there's moments where you can be vulnerable with yourself, even if you're not really being vulnerable, like, outwardly. There's moments where you you have to be introspective. I feel like introspection is a form of vulnerability. I feel like um, trusting someone is vulnerable. Um, yeah, being open. I, I feel like I, I, I'm i like a small amount of vulnerable with everybody. 
that I meet in in a sense if like uh or like even friends like even if it's just a regular thing like I've been saying I love you to friends when I hang up the phone and it, this is new to me but it's like no I had to think about it and I'd be like yo I love this person let me just tell them let me just tell them doesn't matter boy girl doesn't matter what because <laughs> some people go like everybody I'm like yeah everybody like, I love you bro all right bro I'll see you I love you you know yeah. and because I just want them to know you know and I feel like that's it didn't take a lot to do that but it it was just like I feel like I should do this with people that I love and just let them know but was there like again for you like a level of uncomfortability starting that or did you feel um, vulnerable starting to do that yeah just because um some of the friends I've had for a long time and I didn't tell them that and then I it was more like I don't want to be embarrassed if I go all right bro I love you they'd be like what <laughs> you know and I'm like no not like that you know like you know I love you and I didn't want that moment to happen it, it never happened yeah I think I can't remember exact moments but I'm sure there were moments where I would say I love you and then without thinking they'd be like I love you too and then they hang up and then I hang up and then we're like all right cool and it was natural to them just because I said it so naturally yeah um yeah, I'm sure there's moments where people didn't even realize it, but, you know. So for then with comedy, because I feel like, you know, that naturally like kind of translates to what we do on stage, like that, mm -hmm. like, I'm going to say these things and I don't know how people are going to respond and I'm uncomfortable for, you know, for it. Mm -hmm. So what do you think then? Because like, again, I do believe like, again, it's very interchangeable. How do you think this idea of the term cancel culture um please into people's willingness to be vulnerable um my my big thing the way i look at it is my big thing is me personally is shame like i'll do anything to avoid shame even like the smallest thing like so i feel like when i would go on stage i'm terrified of bombing but I also kind of love it sometimes um, in a weird twisted way. <laughs> but I feel like cancel being canceled is like the ultimate bomb. And, and when you regular bomb, it's like people go, I get it. You were trying something. Comics are like, yeah, no worries. But if you get like canceled for some crazy shit, I feel like you lose everybody. And everyone's like, how dare you? And it's like the ultimate bomb it's the ultimate like fucking shame and you can't really do much about it you have to like go into hiding for a couple years or whatever depending what on what you think you then okay i'm curious now then who do you think has been actually canceled i think cosby for sure i think cosby i don't think he's gonna come back and do tours mm -hmm. but you know but, what? okay Ooh. with cosby i want to make a very clear distinction because mm -hmm. cosby was accused of raping people okay mm -hmm. i want cancel culture because i feel like right now like that cosby should be fucking canceled mm -hmm. weinstein should be fucking canceled they're rapists mm -hmm. but then also all the people that fucking allow that shit to happen i'm talking about more so cancel culture with words what you okay. say okay because mm -hmm. i believe there should be like again this distinction of action versus word yeah Huh. Um, I don't know. 
I can't think of anybody who's been like canceled and then they just stayed canceled. So do you think cancel culture is real? Huh. You're blowing my mind here. I don't Ooh, know. Because I'm trying to th- I- he a Franco. It's so fun. Because <laughs> I'm trying to think. I know Ari Shafir was under some heat after Kobe died. He was on under some crazy heat after Kobe died. And then he went into hiding, but he's back now. He's doing shows and shit. He's got a solid fan base. Shane Gillis canceled hard as shit. Now he's on Rogan. Now he's got his own sketch show on uh, on YouTube that's doing like very, very well. Um, well, didn't, he necessarily didn't get canceled either, I think, Shane. He just lost his SNL job, you know? So it was like, that was like, okay, a job offer got removed. But he, again, hmm. the whole idea of canceling is the fact that your income is completely eradicated and you have no chance of making that income. Yeah. It seems like, especially Shane Gillis, again, now he's on Rogan. Rogan's fucking dominating shit. How much income? Rogan and SNL, like, there's people who'll be like, fuck SNL, I'm Rogan all the way. So if anything, it could have propelled Shane to something better. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think Depending that's on happened. how you feel about Rogan. Yeah, I think that's, that's what happened, for sure. Yeah, so I never even thought of, yeah. Maybe cancel culture isn't real. Maybe it's just a big old slap on the wrist for a couple of years. I don't even think it's that. I feel like especially too, like it gets buzzy, just like we were talking about with this idea of possibly naming your album something provocative. Like I feel like, again, like cancel culture is just this mythical idea that exists in the social media world where it gives the right to shame other people. And we are afraid of shame as humans. Like that's what Mm -hmm. shapes us. That's what fucking makes us not do shit because Mm -hmm. we don't want to be ashamed from the group. But, you know, like even look at the shit that happened with Travis Scott at the concert, okay? No, it's his whole mo right he's a rager Mm -hmm. that's you know what i mean like mosh pitting all that shit like that was like part of his fucking vibe and yeah you know what i mean that's how hit that that's very much his persona so like looking at how that played out like do you think he should be canceled hmm there's a (sighs) There's a lot there. I don't know too much about it. I didn't read up too much about it. I just saw like there is there's a lot of deaths, a lot of injuries. But I'm also thinking like how much of it was because you know how it is to be on stage when you can only see the front row or like two rows. How much is it you because and that and that's just our voice. That's not like music and other lights and fucking pyrotechnics or whatever the fuck they had. So imagine all that stuff and then not being able to see the crowd that well and then seeing people like move around like crazy and then, okay, you might see like an, I think he saw an ambulance, like a little ambulance cart at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there was also people jumping on top of the ambulance cars. Right. So it's like, if you're up there, what do you think? You go, someone's hurt and then the people jumping on top of it and he's like, all right, whatever. I want to defend it, but at the same time, it's like, I don't know enough to defend it because maybe that Maybe I'm not defending it completely, but just maybe it's just uh, just that's something to factor in. Sometimes you just don't know. I heard there was people trying to rush the stage and being like, yo, stop the show. Right. People hurt or whatever. But how many people have taken bad drugs at concerts before? 
right and had the same experience you know and right. like, yo everyone's dead stop the concert you know what i mean so how do you how do you even really know i mean i feel like it shouldn't even be put on him like that's a huge team to set that up mm-hmm. you couldn't have like the 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 police or like the emts or something like that or someone else say hey bro there's a lot of shit going on yeah let's get everybody on the mics here or like you know together and be like yo let's hold off for a second then we'll, he's got an earpiece there's no way he doesn't have an earpiece right so, no, no, I, there's so much going on like to unpack with this and like you brought up too like that's what i kept thinking about like personally like i know when i'm on stage I kind of black out. Like I don't see shit. And I was like, sometimes it's like, it, I get annoyed because it makes me not good with crowd work. Cause I miss opportunities. Cause I'm so like robotical about it. So it was like, I was thinking about again, him. Cause it's like, I think we want to right now, especially with social media, shame people and blame people. Mm-hmm. But it's like, we have to look at the level of complexities, the individual responsibilities, right? Thinking about being, like, I remember being young and seeing the fucking toadies who were like, at that point on the way out, like they were disappearing, nobody fucking, and we saw them at a small show and my friends and I want to be in the front and people were like pushing. And that was like, again, for a little shit show, like the desire of youth of wanting to be part of the moment of wanting to be in the front you know it's like there's again like how many fucking things and that's what i think i wanted to get at was this this individual connection to the social whole so it's kind of like how are we really helping people if you as an individual want to share your truth and then the social whole is going to say no you can't you can't it's like we're taking away the complexity of humanity mm-hmm. and the connection yeah. between you and the whole. So like going back to you talking about reading the audience, mm-hmm. you know, you're essentially you reading the audience could tend, Oh, are you, I could be like, Oh, you're profiling them. And it's like, you know, you're not, you're fucking feeling energy that's created. That can't be explained. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a very complex idea. And you don't know who's going to be triggered and who's not going to be triggered. But if you're triggered, doesn't that come back to you as the individual and your experience with the whole? Hold on one second. It started raining really bad and my window's open. I'm sorry. Oh, no, it's okay. I have to stop it. Oh, I didn't know if you had to leave. Okay, guys, I paused it for a second, everyone. And now I didn't need to because he's right back. Great. So what do you think, Franco? Um... You as an individual, uh-huh. okay, doing comedy and the whole of society. Mm-hmm. What do you think is what you need to consider first? How you feel or how the whole is going to be impacted? I feel like it should be the individual first. Because it's like, that's a loaded question. I mean, if I were to break this down, okay, I feel like now, if I'm going to break this down to just me, and let's say it's a big ass audience, and that represents society, right? If I were to go out there and say something that's true to me and honest to me, maybe I'm not, I won't get everybody, but I'll get a bunch of other individuals that are like, yeah, I feel the same way. And then that becomes our little culture kind Mm -hmm. of thing. So I feel like that's more important 
But if you pander, there's a lot of people online right now that pander like a motherfucker to what, you know, they're like, they're trying to be super PC and they're trying to be like the head of this is what you should say. And then like, they're making up fucking things I never heard of. Oh, if someone says this to you and that's, and they'll make up some term, like, this is like, you know, um, super gaslighting or some brand new term that's like, wait, that's just regular conversation. Why are you calling it something and making it look like it's manipulative? Yeah. Like, there's people doing that kind of shit. Yeah. Um, and I feel like those are the people that are going society first because they see where society is going and they're making more of like a, right. a darker hole for society to kind of just dig into. It's like the opposite of what I feel like comedy should be doing and the individual should be doing is expressing themselves and then seeing other people come to them and go, okay, we share this experience and then yeah. come along. We'll go together. Does that Absolutely. make sense? Yeah. I love the way you just uh, talked about that. I think that's super interesting. And I also too, though, want to think about because um, what about your individual identity too? Like thinking about the physicalness and how that changes how the whole sees you. What about for you? Do you feel that plays out um, your I physical outward identifiable characteristics? Do you think that impacts the audience's perception? Yeah. Yeah. I think one of, one of my opening jokes plays on my on what I look like um and it's the where I make you think for a second I look Arab and then I go I'm Guatemalan uh I, I don't know if that's what you mean no um, like absolutely of course all of those things you know okay. um yeah, yeah. I think about it all the time particularly like being a woman being middle-aged being white you know, sometimes I'm like people I feel like immediately as soon as I'm on stage are like, oh, we do not want to hear from this lady at all. Like, especially like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like men are like, I left my wives at home so I didn't have to listen to a bitch talk. And now I got to listen Ugh. to you. So it's like, I'm curious. And again, that could be just, again, my internalization. So I'm curious for other comics that I talk to, like, do you have thoughts like that? Yeah, when I, when I perform for a mostly Latino audience. It's rare that I do that, but and not because I avoid them, but it's just I, it's hard to find like crowds like that. But I feel like they're judging me because I'll be probably sometimes the only Latino on, on the lineup or one of two, and they'll go, "How how whitewashed is this guy? Like, is he does he know Spanish?" I I don't know if they're asking that, um, but it feels like they are. They're judging. Like, where where does he land? Like, where they're just trying to figure out where I land. Because there's a lot of comics that go up and they go, I'm Latino. I don't speak Spanish. But, da, 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 da. but I feel like I hint at it a little bit sometimes. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I just, it feels judgier. And, um, yeah, it's... There's that, and I feel like I can get away with certain things if it's an all-white crowd. I feel like I can get away with saying certain things about race that white people can't get away with if they're on stage to an all-white crowd, mm -hmm. but I can get away with. Mm -hmm. um, and honestly, I feel like because I've been doing a majority of white audience shows, my set is almost like, hey, here's my experience as a Latino. And then when I do that for like an all-Latino crowd, there are certain jokes in there that I'll say that usually get like little little laughs or whatever on the way up to a bigger punchline. Mm -hmm. um, at an all white show, 
I'll say these things and I'll get like a ha ha ha. But then I'll do it at a Latino show and I'll say this thing and they'll go, yeah. Like, yeah, we know that feeling. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily like a a laugh as in like, oh, I never thought of that. It was yeah. like a, yeah, dude, I hate when that happens. So it, it throws me off. Yeah. Um, Cause it's like, that's not what I'm used to, but yeah, I feel like I can get away with more racial stuff. Like my Bollywood joke. I, I feel like I can get, I can get away with just mm-hmm. because people are like, yeah, he's not Indian, but he's Brown. I'm like in the gray area. You know what I mean? I'm not white or black, but I can yeah. kind of like, I can talk about both and everybody else and be like, yeah, me too though. Yeah. I'm, I'm also, you know, uh, a minority. Um, and for me, yeah. race jokes are the type that is the area where I my butthole clenches the tightest. Mm-hmm. Like it's like I have a lot of jokes that I've written that I have not tried that are very like dealing with the complexities of race, mm-hmm. you know. And I personally too, I find like anytime I try as a white woman to make fun of white people, they do not like it. It's like why they they don't. They're like weird. and it makes me angry because there's a lot of stupid ass shit white people do like we are you know especially thinking about critical race theory and really talking about that and looking at fucking history it's like mm-hmm. the reality is like there's shit that's fucked up and mm-hmm. you know it's, i think it needs to be talked about just out of curiosity do you say white people or do you say we i would have to because i don't like i said i ha- i try to stay away from those jokes but the one when i've tried it i'm going to go back and that's awesome tip i'm going to re-listen mm-hmm. but um i don't know i think maybe both you know I, i'm going to go back and analyze like sets and mm-hmm. see if it works because again sometimes it works sometimes they don't um i try to be very specific though like in situations and not generalize people either you know because i feel like that makes things more palatable when you're talking about particular people you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because like people are stupid and say dumb shit so it's like but I think too again thinking about how it's presented and again like again women like I always find it too like with um for me like talking about stuff like abortion is really hard too so it's like I feel like certain things like again I'm uncomfortable with it so it's like I don't know is it the audience is uncomfortable just because I am and it's that energy, you know, like kind of mm-hmm. like we talked about before mm-hmm. with how you read the audience. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. It's hard. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. And I noticed there's sometimes, you know, it's crazy how it could be a whole phrase that you need to change or like just one word. Yep. And it changes the whole fucking thing. You're so right. It's so crazy. Right. And that's why I loved with your special that you're going to show the evolution because it's like, I do want to like, especially with this, this idea of is cancel culture real? If it is real, we shouldn't shame people for a lifetime for what they did in one moment in space and time. As long as it's words, actions are fucking different. Like I keep wanting to like reiterate, like, mm-hmm. you know, if you are being physical and inappropriate and you know what I mean? Words and actions are totally different. So, but it it doesn't, you know, and then thinking back to, did you watch the Chappelle, the most recent Chappelle? Yeah. The closer, what'd you think? What was your take? Um, If we're going to take all for a second, just about the comedy, we're just going to talk about the comedy. Yeah. Not the funniest, not the funniest special. I feel like a lot of the jokes were kind of just like, uh, you could have just said this to me hanging out. 
kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm guessing it. this wasn't supposed to be a comedy special. This was supposed to be like some kind of a message like, hey, uh, you guys are labeling me something I'm not. But I'm also not going to conform to what you want me to be and what I should be. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think I think his voice is important um, for a lot of people. The message at the end, like, stop punching down on my people. I'm like, okay, I understand where he's coming from. I get that. I get that a lot. Um, I didn't have... I, I watched it and I was just like, okay, I get it, dude. I get where you're coming from. And that was pretty much it, man. The story he told about um, his trans friend. I think what stole the show was the two white women in the middle of the crowd. I don't know if you saw it. Did you see it? I did watch it. If you, if you, it was on, it was on the internet for a while too, that there's a sea of like, just sea of people. But for some reason there are these two, um, these two white women front and center in the crowd in the beginning they were like yeah they were happy to be there and then at some point i could have sworn i saw one wipe a tear away they just had this these faces of disappointment and they were just like mm. but he was doing this shit in front of them anyway yeah and i was like what the fuck i'm like that's what that's what i was more paying attention to that's what i was paying to paying attention to the most um because it's like one what did you expect when you came to the show and two i was thinking wow that doesn't bother him how the fuck can that not bother him if somebody was scowling at me during a show yeah. i would have to mention it i would have to like i'd feel bad i but he was just like no this is what i'm here to do and this is what i'm here to say yeah but i also like i'm a i'm a firm believer in like hey if you don't like it just shut it off you know that's it's you know there's plenty of shit that i'm like whoa this is crazy yeah and then i'm just like yeah i'm not i'm not gonna give this any more time but i don't know yeah what, what did you think i had a different take because <laughs> especially like as a woman you know as a middle-aged woman i'm a little bitter myself so um mm. i'm very in tune to seeing bitterness and i felt mm. like dave sounded bitter you know mm-hmm. um yeah yeah same thing with louis and louis is a good example who of someone who didn't get canceled because he whipped his dick out and jerked off and as a female comic like i'm sorry you have to deal with so much bullshit okay Mm -hmm. so it's like i'm on team female comic and it's like because men are gross male comedians get so butthurt if you don't go out with them you don't give them your number you Mm -hmm. know what i mean and it's like why do you need to jerk off in front of other comics? You know what I mean? Go meet a yeah, fucking yeah. lady at a bar, but whatever. Louis didn't get canceled, but he sounded bitter as shit in his first set back. Like, wah, 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 look at me. I had to go away for a year. And it's like, you're making money. People still love you. You're still on. Dave also sounded to me very bitter. Mm-hmm. And Dave, okay, what I really am kind of fixated on, because he brought up this idea of tribes. Right. Mm-hmm. And he utilized this comedian. And to me, I felt like he kind of was very um, like, look, guys, I'm not I'm not anti-trans. I had a trans friend. Mm-hmm. And it's be like me. I feel like, hey, I'm going to do a joke about a black person, but I have a black friend. Mm-hmm. To me, it's very much that similar fucking mentality. Yeah. And it's like, dude. Like, think about this person's tribe. If that's where we're going to play tribal identities. Yes, you're a comedian, but doesn't being a Black man shape your comedy? 
This person was a comedian and being trans shaped their comedy. And they, you fucking punch down on trans people. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? They're a fucking minority group. And it's mm -hmm. like, to me, and like, I have my very strong opinions about gender and gender identity and binary lines. Like, I think it's all bullshit, you know? But that's a whole other conversation. So mm -hmm. that was part of my take on. Okay. Chappelle. Yeah. Well, I it's also like it's i think it's really important like to see okay what was his point of view because it's like we have to also realize that our worlds are different everyone's world is different very different it can be very 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 different and it's so strange that the internet wants everyone and everyone's experience like fuck everyone's experience this is how we should all be right mm -hmm. so from his perspective i understood where his perspective came from like, from the comedic perspective, you get it. You want to say yeah. what you want to say. But not even no, not even that. I mean, like he was saying, like um, that the trans movement has surpassed the pretty much the Black Lives Matter movement. He's yeah. like, where well, it's not. He's like, it's not. I'm not. He's like, I'm not angry at trans people. I'm angry at white people because they all of a sudden now they control what gets uh, okayed and what doesn't get okayed. Um, he mentioned that Kevin Hart did a gay joke, lost his job. Um, and then it was like, yes, yeah, some cops are killing people and they're still working. You know, some cops are killing black people and they're still working. They're, so they're like, who's the one punching down? He was like, you right. guys are up here now. We're still down here. And then we can't make a joke about it because like, you know, he was saying like, stop punching down on my people. And I'm like, oh, I never looked at it that way. I understand your perspective. Whether I think it's right or not, I feel like I don't know. I, I I can't really. There's, there's. It's not for me to say. No. Well, I, and I think too. I want to bring up too because like I don't want to because I do. Like I said, I think there's a lot of complexity and nuance. Also, reiterate the fact of identity roles and shaping things. And it's like, you know, thinking about for Dave growing up in D.C. and who he was as a black man. Exactly right. He's been punched down on because that's what our society was the complexity of power dynamics and the shift of power dynamics like there's a much smaller percentage of trans people than black people so if you really you know what i mean like it's almost like giving crumbs out like here's a little bit to maintain the current power structure you know and on top of that you know what i mean you think about the pressure of being male in a society of having to force yourself into gender roles and then seeing people buck that and you're like well what you know what's happening it, it, it's internally triggering you know there's so much going on so it's like I don't again I'm not a big fan of just summizing it and like again I think we could talk all day about this you know mm -hmm. all day about mm -hmm. his special and blah 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 on our views but I just you know want to know for you Franco how is that going to shape your comedy going forward? Um, I don't know. Um, I, I'm staying away from trans jokes. I'll say that. Um, but other than that, I feel like, I mean, I've personally just been in like, okay, how do I become more personal, more introspective on stage? That's now I'm getting into more of like, okay, I know I can... At the stage I'm at now, I was like, I know I can make a joke happen, make it work. I know I, I'm good at that. But how do I put more of myself on stage? There was this, I remember this one moment where, and this is, you can stop me if I'm going off the off track here. 
but there's this one moment um in i have it in the album but the first time i did it it was so small it's not even that like vulnerable but there's this joke where i talk about um how i gained weight to uh protect my heart that's the that's the joke so i gained weight to protect my heart but i talk about being a kid and then um and my biggest fear was getting my heart broken so i developed a sense of humor to deflect any any insults or anything like that and then blah 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 but i just said that one part when i was a kid i was afraid of being hurt so i developed a sense of humor to you know to 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 deflect shit and that was the most introspective i was on stage in like four and a half five years in just that one moment it was the most that's just a little bit of like of real me that one second and i was like oh that felt great because this whole time i didn't realize until that moment where i was like this whole time i've just been telling jokes telling stories telling funny things observations da, 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 but i've never talked about myself like that in that way and i was like fuck that feels good so i'm trying to work on getting more personal and then finding funny shit that way and that makes me feel really good that i can you know say personal things and then have people connect with that because mm-hmm. i want to put more of myself on stage yeah. I love that. And I think that there's something super freeing about it. And like, then you said the connection that people have, Mm -hmm. and I think that's what people really are craving right now. I think um, that's part of what is behind cancel culture is the connection. Like, Oh, Mm -hmm. we all hate this person together. We're together, you know? So it's so Mm -hmm. ironic. It's like people's drive for connection is kind of fueling it. Yeah. There's no way people that cancel somebody don't become friends. That's, that must have happened hundreds of times. Yeah. Like, how'd you guys meet? Yeah, we were canceling this person. Then we were like, yo, yeah. let's go. Look at the free Britney Spears movement. That whole oh, yeah. swell of, yeah. Yeah. People just want to have, and I think that, you know, you brought up the point too, as comedians, like you said, we found our community. Like, it's like you've never yeah. felt more comfortable with other people than other comedians. Yeah. You know, it's like this, like, sense of calm so it's like i think everyone's kind of striving for that mm-hmm. we're just looking we have comedy <laughs> yeah yeah especially now yeah like imagine like this was like you know you just got out of high school or some shit like you moved out to college or whatever then COVID hits and then like you some people some of your best friends you have to go back to your parents house but some of your best friends are stuck over here you know like in different towns and cities and you got nobody yeah. all you have is the internet you know, not everybody came back home or whatever. Right. So now you have the internet and then you have these tribes you got that you have to find for yourself. Right. These communities. Yeah. It's like a blessing and a curse though, because you also think about like how easy it is again, to spread vitriol. Like you, even at the beginning, you talked about negative comments, get more likes, mm-hmm. you know, um, people just want to shit on each other. And I think that always comes back to individually, right? Everything starts with how you feel internally. Whatever's mm-hmm. in your internal world is what you're going to project outward. And our mm-hmm. brains are naturally conditioned to be negative as form of survival. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you really need to, I think, and this goes back to, I think my point I wanted to make with Travis Scott is it was ultimately it's lies within the individual. Like, you know, there, I'm sure people at the concert could have stopped and said, okay, I'm going to put my phone away and help this person up. 
you know, and it's like, there's levels and levels and levels and levels of culpability, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's like, we can't be so quick to just blame one person. It's like, yeah, that's true, dude. I, I went to, oh, this is a while ago. I went to, um, this festival and it was, um, it was EDC electric daisy carnival. And I remember I was with my girlfriend at the time and this one like shirtless buff dude, like I bumped into him and I was like, my bad. And he turned around and he was like, yeah, no problem. He's like, that's your girl. And I was like, oh, fuck. Um, this guy's going to take my girlfriend. <laughs> um, and I was like, yeah, he's like, come here. And then I didn't see what they were doing, but um, he's like, stand right next to me. I stood right next to him. And it was him and like maybe six or eight other like big dudes in the middle of this giant sea of people stood in a circle. And he was like, don't let anybody through. They We all stood in a circle, eight dudes. And then like all of their girlfriends. So it's like, we just made this big old circle. So all of our girlfriends had some space to dance. And it was just, that's it. We didn't let anybody through so they can just enjoy themselves. They can be like, you know, they can open their arms a little bit. They weren't all squished up. That's all we did. And I was like, that's the coolest fucking thing. Yeah. First thing I thought I was, I judged this guy immediately. I was like, this is some jock. He's going to be like, yo, what's good? Like, you know, just going to talk to my girl or whatever. But he was like, no, nah, they just formed this circle. And they were like, we just want our girls to be comfortable. And I was like, fucking, that's amazing. But that also could have happened at that concert. <laughs> they could have been like, yo, yo, chill. Like, let the ambulance through. There's people fucking falling apart over here. Yeah. There's people dying. Like, yeah. you know, at any point, you could have been like, yo, chill. Like, let's fucking this just hold arms and yeah. let these people through. Like, yes. that's it. That's all that could have been done. But, yeah, it's so easy to blame one person because they got the name on it. Yeah. That's it. I think too, um, because I liked the way you were describing it. It's like tribe on top of tribe on top of tribe, like first yourself and then you were with your girlfriend and then you had an interaction with someone else and you guys became another tribe. But again, it was this mm -hmm. idea of going inward to go outward. And that's what I love about comedy. I feel like comedy teaches us, especially when you bomb, you know, it's like, oh, I feel so fucking, ugh. but you go inward and then you go outward. And it's like this beautiful evolution of human experience that we get to have mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. and like again I just think too like anytime shit goes on it's like I'm really trying not to be judgmental and cast blame like again that's why I know I kind of sounded harsh with like Dave but you know um again I do think there's so much complexity behind it so it's like I think we need to recognize that we are human we're in you know infallible and we're gonna fuck up but it's like what comes outward from it, you know? Yeah. Franco, I want to say thank you so much. It's been really awesome talking with you today. I loved it. This was great. <laughs> this thank was you. great. It was super interesting. I can't wait. I feel like, especially too, like I love doing this. I always get so much insight from fellow comedians. And mm -hmm. really for me, I find it really great to get really specific tips. You know, so I really love that what you shared with me. I can't wait to utilize that and go back and reflect with my own, you know, comedic journey. So I thank you for your insight. If you okay. can do me a favor again and just let everybody know where to find you one more time, social media, and if there's anything like we can look for forward to with Franco Danger. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, so my Instagram, Franco underscore danger. You can find everything I have on there. I got a link to everything else. So you'll be able to find me there um yeah and then i have an album coming out and i don't have a date for it 
it's still in the editing process um and there's a lot of stuff i gotta do before it comes out but yeah yeah so keep an eye out for that definitely well definitely when as soon as it i'll be sure to share it with everybody when it is released we're definitely looking forward to it because like i said franco's hilarious he's so much fun to see live he's again very you're very likable very goofy like again it's like you're people's friend and it's like you're you're here to have a good time and you can definitely feel that energy when you're on stage that's what you create thank you i can't wait to see you perform i'm super excited i'm definitely looking forward to the album thank you yeah yeah i'm so looking forward to get it out yeah well great we'll definitely again keep you keep everybody posted thanks so much for being a guest today franco thank you 